Good morning, Luminous Church. Yes, welcome to church today. Whether you are visiting for the first time, oh, thank you, um, or you've been here for forever, I just want to let you know that you are part of the Luminous family. So, welcome, family. Uh, my name is Jaren Templeton. You have never seen me up here before. This is an exciting day. Well, I've done announcements, but I've never preached before. So, today, I'm going to preach if that's okay. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, again, my name is Jaren Templeton. I serve here as a campus minister, campus missionary, whatever you call it. I get to tell college students, the next generation, about Jesus. I get to help raise them up so that they will take this spot. I was telling my friend, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not as good, okay? This is not like full-on comparison, but like LeBron James, a little bit. Because this next generation with the playoffs, I don't know if you know, but LeBron James got kicked out, and I'm sad about it, honestly. But... They're talking about this next generation and how there's a next generation coming up and that sports is gonna, it's gonna change. Devin Booker and Trey, I'm so sorry if you're like, I don't do sports, it's, it's gonna end. But Trey Young is gonna come through. It's amazing to see these young people and I thought, man, that's what I want my legacy to be. That people would speak like me, like that about me, that I was there to help raise the next generation. That it doesn't matter what happens when I'm gone, but who's here. So that's what I get to do on the college campus here in San Antonio, and I absolutely love it. Um, again, like I said, today is my first time, so I'm putting that out there because I, I want to get some awkwardness out of the way, all right? I'm going to stumble. I'm going to mess up. Sometimes I get nervous and I do this thing, but we're going to try not to do that. I talk a little fast, so we're going to take some breaths, okay? I say that because if I say that, hopefully you'll give me grace. You know, when you are driving and you see this, this car on the road and they're making bad decisions and you're like, why are they going so slow? What's happening? What's wrong with them? And then you get behind them and you're frustrated, but you see it's like a get out of jail free card, that yellow tag that says student driver. Immediately you go, okay, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to give them grace. That's what's happening today. So if you're going to give me grace, can you just make some noise? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Feel free to make noise. Um, I'll try and, and ease it out, but you can make noise. If there's a hallelujah, amen, feel free to shout that out. But I'm so excited to be here. We're going to talk about the God of miracles, modern miracles, miracles. We believe that what God did in the Bible did not stay there. It didn't stay in the Old Testament, didn't stay in the New Testament, didn't leave when Jesus ascended. But because we have the Holy Spirit and because our God is living and active, miracles still happen today. Amen. So if you have a miracle story, hold on to that. If you're online, type in your miracle story. Tell somebody your miracle story today after service. And if you're needing a miracle, this is perfect. This is the place you want to be. So my goal today is that you would leave with greater faith than when you had when you walked in the room. All right, so today if you're taking notes, we're going to be in Luke 8, 40 through 56, and you can title it, The Makings of a Miracle. The Makings of a Miracle. When we look at this story, we're going to see two people who needed a miracle, and as I was praying and asking the Lord, what, is, what are you saying to me? He showed me three things that they had that made a miracle happen. There was an impossible situation, desperation, and belief. An impossible situation, desperation, and belief. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful to be in your presence today, God. 
We're so thankful that you're the reason why we're here. We're not here to just see people and sing songs and celebrate God, but we're here to praise your name. We're here to hear about what you're saying to your people. Lord, would you put in us a great faith that you can do great things? Would we put our hope and faith and trust in you? Amen. In 2012, I was 19 and a sophomore in college. Um, I had this amazing opportunity. I signed up to go on a mission trip to India. So excited. I'm always down for a trip. I am an Enneagram 7 through and through. I am down. So as soon as they said, do you want to go? Yes. And I began to do all the research. I, I read a book called No Longer a Slumdog. And if you're my friend today, you probably know that's a miracle in itself because I do not read, but praise God. I, I watched the movie Slumdog Millionaire, different, but still very good. And I did all the research. I forgot one major thing. I get a phone call from my, my leader, and he says, Jaren, I'm so excited that you're going to go to India with us. It's going to be incredible. Man, I can't wait. God's going to do great things. Just want to let you know that the first financial deadline is today at 5 o'clock. It's $1,500. You have about um, $300 in your account, so you got about five hours to come up with $1,200. But we have faith. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Yeah, total faith. Yeah, I'm 19. Mm -hmm, I have faith. Mm -hmm. So we get off the phone and immediately I panic. I panic. I'm not going to India. Everything, the world is over. What am I going to do? I have an impossible situation. How do I come up with $1,200 in five hours? We're going to look at Luke 8, 40 through 44 first. And we're going to see two people who come with an impossible situation. When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Just then a man named Jairus came, and he was a leader of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because his only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him, and a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had spent all her money on doctors and yet could not be healed, approached him. Two people in this story, Jairus, a synagogue leader, and we'll dive into why that's important when we talk about desperation, but Jairus, I imagine him sitting with his daughter. And it doesn't say if the sickness was sudden, if it happened within the last few days, months, but we can kind of say it hasn't been happening long since he doesn't give a time period, but can you imagine a parent sitting with their loved, their daughter, the kid? She's sick, near death, the Bible says. What am I to do? Jairus probably called doctors, tried medicines, did all of that. What is he to do? He's facing an impossible situation. Then we have the unnamed woman. This woman we don't know her name, but what we do know is she's been suffering for 12 years. Day after day, month after month, year after year, giving all that she had only to hear that there's nothing we can do for you. She's facing the impossible situation of, will I always be like this? And maybe, maybe that's you today, where you're facing an impossible situation. You're like Jairus, who this came in. Maybe it's a financial crisis or something's wrong with your marriage that just happened. And what do I do? I'm facing an impossible situation. I don't know what to do. Or you're like this unnamed woman. Year after year, will I always be sick? 
Will I always have problems with my children? Will I always be unable to have children? You're facing an impossible situation, but like I said earlier, I was going to India, and I do what I know to do when I face a crisis. I call my mom. That's what I do. I, I'm a mama's girl through and through. I call my mom, and I begin to tell her all what's happening. And she says, Jaren, just go to so-and-so's house. And I go, Mom, I can't go to her house. That's not my friend. That's not even your friend. That's grandma's friend. I can't do that. I'm not going to show up at her house. And she said, you never know what she can give. You should just go to her house and ask. So I go to her house, knock on the door, and she invites me, and I sit at the table, and I begin to tell her everything of what's happening. So I really want to go to India, but I'm not sure if I can go because I need money, and you don't have to give everything. It's $1,200. You really don't have to give that. But if you could just give whatever you could, you know, I'm going to go to somebody else's house, and I'll figure it out, and we'll be okay. And she goes, okay. And she leaves, gets her checkbook, and she writes a check, and she gives it to me, and I don't even look at it, because you're so grateful. $1,200, whatever you give to that, I'm grateful. So I begin to tell her, thank you, I really appreciate it. Then I look at the check, and I see $1,200. $1,200, yes. I begin to cry. Oh, wait a minute. I gave her so many ways to back out. I said, are you sure this is a lot of money? I'm 19, so I'm thinking with that, you know, sophomore high school and college brain of like, you didn't even look at your bank account to make sure you had enough money to give me that? Are you sure? She's like, yes, I really believe that God wants you to go. It's going to be good. Incredible, that impossible situation of how am I going to get to India? How am I going to get to go? Because I believe God wants me to go, but how led me to desperation? And that desperation led me to this woman's house. We pick up in verse 41 where it says, a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, a ruler of the synagogue came and fell at Jesus' feet. So important. I love reading the Bible because if, it, if it's in there, you got to research why. Why do we need to know he's a ruler of the synagogue? Because you need to know that rulers of the synagogue actually didn't love Jesus. They didn't, they didn't follow Jesus. They actually wanted to throw Jesus in prison. They had no good feelings about Jesus, but here is this man falling at the feet of Jesus. Jairus was desperate. You know, it's not written, but scholars believe that at one point Jairus was in a crowd watching Jesus heal people on the Sabbath, and he was there plotting against Jesus. How can we, how can we throw this man in prison? How can we get rid of him? So Jairus went from wanting to get rid of Jesus to falling at the feet of Jesus. He was that desperate. He was so desperate that he was willing to put aside his prejudices and his thoughts to search after what was true. In Mark 3, you see that story. And I want to know, are you desperate today, church? Are you so desperate that you would get rid of all of the things that you think to be true to search after for what is true? Are you desperate to fall at the feet of Jesus because you've tried everything else and you've, you've heard about this Jesus just like Jairus? He sat there watching his daughter slowly fade away and said, wait a minute. I've seen this man heal. I know that there's somebody coming that can save my daughter, so I'm going to throw off. I'm going to get rid of all my pride. I'm going to get rid of everything to fall at the feet of Jesus. And I want to encourage you. Today is the day you can fall at the feet of Jesus. Bring your desperation. Desperation, we like to think that it's a bad word. Like, oh my gosh, she's so desperate. She's so desperate. But I want to let you know that if you are desperate today, God can use that. 
It is a beautiful thing to be desperate when it leads you to the feet of Jesus. He can do what only he can do. And if you bring your desperation, bring the thing that only God can do at his feet, he'll do it for you and more. And when you're desperate, you begin to do some outrageous things just like Jairus. Maybe you can't physically fall at the feet of Jesus, but we can worship a little bit more. We can praise a little bit louder. We can fast more. We can tell more people about Jesus and what he's done because we're desperate for him, desperate for his presence. And then we have the unnamed woman bleeding for 12 years. This story is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. None of those she has a name, but in this book, it is, uh, this is the longest account of the story. And then I think it's important to note that because Luke was actually a physician. So everything he adds in here, he does it for a reason. He's looking through the doctor's eye. He's saying this woman, everything she tried, she gave everything and still could not be healed. How miraculous is the story? But this woman is unnamed. She's sick. And it's important to know about the sick that you couldn't actually have a community if you were sick. Back then, if you were sick, you were called unclean, and if you were unclean, no one wanted to touch you. No one wanted to be around you, because if they touched anything that belonged to you, they then would become unclean. If they touched your clothing, if they touched your bed, they would become unclean. So I imagine a lot of dance moves were invented during this time. You see this woman coming, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to touch her. She's unclean, she's unclean. And she has to run through the town saying, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, so people can flee from her. This woman had nothing. So the Bible says she's broke. And I don't imagine that it's just the, fi the finances, monetarily broke, but I think community-wise, her spirit was depleted. I have no one around me. I've been bleeding for 12 years. The first couple of days, maybe people stuck next to her. Weeks went by, and there probably was a little trickle, but people probably believed, like, she'd get better. Twelve years have passed, and nothing happens. I imagine she was desperate for community, desperate for Jesus. My picture of this woman is that she is lowly. She is getting dressed when she hears about Jesus coming. The first time I read this, I imagined her getting ready and walking and saying, I've tried everything. And maybe that's you, where you have tried everything and you're not sure, but you hear about this Jesus and it's, I might as well try Jesus. I might as well go to church because if I go to church, maybe something will happen. She's lowly, doesn't know what to do. And the Bible says that she, she wanted to just touch Jesus because if she could touch just a him, she could be healed. And you could read that with faith of, wow, she just wanted to touch Jesus' him and she knew. But sometimes I read that and I think, oh, she just wanted to touch Jesus and maybe she would be healed. But if we actually look at the Greek word for touch, it's hapto. It means to cling to to hold on to for dear life. She wanted to touch Jesus because she knew that she would be healed. If I could just hapto Jesus, 
if I could just cling on to Jesus. It changes the meaning of the story. This woman no longer just wants to touch Jesus, but we actually see that she's probably been waiting for this moment her entire life. 12 years, all she wants to do is cling on to Jesus. She doesn't have to see his face because she believes in the power of Jesus. If I could just touch what he wears, I know that I can be saved. And I think it's beautiful that if somebody touched her, she would be unclean, but she knew if she grabbed onto Jesus, she would then be healed. If I could hapto Jesus, so I want to know, does anybody have hapto faith? If I could cling on to Jesus, he can do what I need him to do. If I could cling on to Jesus, if I just hold on to Jesus. We see that desperation moves us to belief, and this woman had great belief even before she got to Jesus. She had the hapto faith. We see as she moves that faith is not just a, a passive word, but it's actually active. Faith partners with action, and that allows for the miracle. This woman went after Jesus, grabbed hold of Jesus. Belief and faith are what you need. So we were talking about being in an impossible situation. So what if you stepped out in faith? What if you stepped out in faith in your marriage? If it's going through a hard time, you start to get counseling. You start going to church and getting plugged in and start serving a little bit more. What if you start trusting God with your finances? You give more. You invest in the business that God has told you to do. You know, there's something in your heart that God has placed on it. Step out in faith, church. Step out in faith. We can walk it out and we can do it together. We can go on believing that one day Jesus will heal. But where is your faith in that? I love, I love the unnamed woman. Because some, she tried everything. And she didn't say, if Jesus wants to heal me, he'll heal me from right here. But he went after, she went after him with great faith. What if we had that faith today, right now, to not say, if God wants to bless me, he'll bless me. If God wants to do a work in me, he'll do a work in me. But we actually step out in that faith. We actually move just like this unnamed woman did. She went and clung on to Jesus. We're going to finish the story of Jairus in verse 49. While he was speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. When Jesus heard it, he answered him, don't be afraid, only believe and she will be saved. After he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. I'm gonna pause, because I actually forgot a really important part about the unnamed woman, because you're probably wondering what happened to her. So we're gonna go back. We got time. So we have the unnamed woman in verse 48, I believe, or verse 44, she touches Jesus. And the Bible says immediately she was healed. Immediately she was healed. She stepped out in faith and she was healed. Okay, now we're gonna go back to verse 49. While he was speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him, don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be saved. After he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, 
John and James and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her, but he said, stop crying because she is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him because they knew she was dead, so he took her by the hand and called out, child, get up, and her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and then he gave orders that she be given something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he instructed them to tell no one. While Jesus is speaking to the unnamed woman and saying, you're healed, Jairus gets this awful news that his daughter went from sick to dead. Immediately your faith depletes, but Jesus right on it says, I love that it says when Jesus heard it at once, depending on which translation you read, at once when, when that was spoken, Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe and she will be saved. And we were talking about faith to walk out, faith to step out, and could you imagine the faith that Jairus had to have walking to the house where his dead daughter lives. Man, if, if that lady wouldn't have gotten away my miracle, Jesus could have saved my daughter. But, but, but Jesus said, believe and she will be saved. But this woman got in the way of my blessing. But Jesus said to believe and she will be saved. Maybe that's you, where you see some things happening, but God has spoken in your ear to just believe and you will be saved. Just believe, have faith, do not fear. You have to let go of the lies. I love that, that even if there was a battle going on in Jairus' head, he still walked. He still had great faith to walk with Jesus on the way to heal his daughter. Only believe and she will be saved. And we see that the belief partnered with that because she was saved. His faith was stretched with every step. And I was reading a commentary that talked about something beautiful in this story. Jairus had gone to Jesus so he could do a miracle while the plan for Jesus was to do something far greater. Jairus and his, his wife knew that Jesus had raised his daughter from the dead. And today I want to encourage you with this. Don't, do not limit God to just a certain miracle. God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ask, think, fathom, imagine. Don't just come to God looking for this miracle when God says, I actually want to do a little bit more for you. You shift your perspective, but still believe and have faith. And so it doesn't go without saying that there are people in this room. I know when Pastor Ben asked me to talk about miracles, I thought, what about the people who didn't get the miracle? What about people who are still holding on to that? And so I want to talk to you and encourage you for a minute. Whew. Um, in 2018, I got the call to um, do, start doing campus ministry. And I was so excited to do it. I, I moved from Dallas with my mom to here with some people in the church, and I began to ask people if they would partner with me. So I would go and call random people, and I would ask, hey, would you be willing to go with me on the college campus by giving financially? And people said yes, and it was awesome, and people said no, and it was a little discouraging, but I kept going because I knew God was going to provide, and it was going to be beautiful. Two months into doing this, I get a call that my grandma has had a stroke. 
And she, um, I, I get the call and immediately my, man, my brain begins to panic, but I know that my God is faithful, that my God can do all things, so I pray and I do all the things that I know how to do and I cling on and I, I, want, I want to stay close to Jesus and I declare scripture and I say all these words. And I, Jesus, I know you're going to heal because you're the healer. Jesus, I know you're going to do this because you do great things. And you said that when you left, we would do greater things. So this is a greater thing and you're going to do it. And days went by and weeks went by and months went by and nothing was happening. But I still was believing. One day I go to Midland and I'm still doing partnership and it's extremely hard on my spirit to ask God, ask people and believe in God for finances when he can't heal my grandma. And I'm sitting with my friends, and they said, Sharon, what's going on in your heart? Like, we know what's going on in your mind and, or in your, in your life, but what's going on in your heart? And I begin to tell them, like, I'm trying to hold on to Jesus. I'm, I'm believing and proclaiming, and nothing is happening. How am I supposed to, to pray and believe for these things when God can't do this? And if he could just promise, if he could just speak a word, then I know that I can believe in that, and then everything's going to be okay. And he's not speaking, but I'm fasting and I'm praying and pouring my heart out. And my friend Jay Tom says, Jaren, I have a question. Is, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? And honestly, in 2018, as I sat on that couch, I thought, I don't know if Jesus is enough for me. If his promise, when he died on the cross and resurrected three days later and defeated everything, was enough for me, that he would come back and make all things new, was that enough for me? So I wrestled with that question. I sat with that question. I said, Jesus, teach me that you're enough. Teach me, let me, show me that you're enough. And I realized I, did, I missed what the unnamed woman had. I missed the hapto faith. So as I, as I pressed in and spent time with Jesus and asked people to pray for me, I started to develop the hapto faith, to cling onto Jesus, to claim Jesus, to hold on to Jesus, because I know he's greater. And let me tell you, she is not healed. She is still in the wheelchair. She can't speak. She can't move. But let me tell you, my faith in God is greater, because I believe that Jesus can still do more than we can ask, think, fathom, or imagine, that I still have the faith that Jesus is who he said he was. And I saw what Jairus got to experience. Maybe I asked for this, and God showed me reconciliation. He he showed me healing in a different way. He showed me financial provision, which in a way that I cannot fathom. It may not happen, but I have the hapto faith that God still is good. He is still true. I still believe, I still believe Jesus if I can cling on to you. And so if you are sitting here discouraged as you hear about people's miracles happening, as you read about this story, I want to challenge you, encourage you to have the hapto faith, to cling on to Jesus, to hold on to Jesus. Because let me tell you, my life with him is not the same as it was in 2018. I have a greater faith. I pray like nobody's business. I spend time with him. I love him. I would not be here today if I did not have the hapto faith. Hold on to Jesus. If you're sitting here, if you're watching online, wherever you are, and you say, I want that. How do I get the hapto faith? How do I, how do I receive that? And it's honestly, pray this prayer 
meet with some people, live it out, but we have to declare that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. We have to surrender all that he is because that's what happened. I had to remember that I had surrendered my life to Jesus 10 years ago when I was scared that Jesus wouldn't be enough in 2018. I remember that I gave him everything that I am. So that's what we're going to do now. If you want to close your eyes, bow your head and pray with me. If you would like Jesus to come in to give your life to him, you're going to pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I am a sinner in need of a savior. Today, I choose to give you my life and all that I am. I believe that you lived this life, a life that I could never live, and you died the death that was meant for me. Three days later, you rose again, defeating hell, the grave, my sin, my shame, and today I give that all to you. Jesus, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for this moment where we get to come with our impossible situation, come with our desperation, believing, Jesus, that if we lay it at your feet, if we come to you, if we have the hapto faith and we cling on to you, Jesus, that you will meet us where we are. That if we believe in you, Jesus, we will see miracles happen. God, we have the faith that the dead will live, Father. We have the faith that those who cannot walk will walk and those who cannot speak will speak. Lord, we speak life over marriages and over, over families, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are the God of miracles now as you were back then, Lord. You were the same God. So we thank you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.